The scripture reading this morning is from John 10, the Good Shepherd. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings them out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But the hireling, who is not the shepherd, the one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am known by my sheep and am known by, and am known by my own. Okay, everybody stand up. Come on, stand up. Ah, oh, stretch. Stretch, put your arms out in front of you and just kind of shake them. Uh, turn to the left and massage. Uh, massage. Oh. Turn to the right and massage. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, you may be seated. I hope you have your outlines out. Can't tell one sermon point from another without an outline, you know. I have these on purpose with fill-ins so that you'll remember what I say, you know. Experts tell us that uh, you will forget 90% of what I say by tomorrow. Very depressing to those of us uh, who are pastors. But, so I use every technique I can to make you remember. So we have outlines and we have PowerPoint and I roam the aisles to keep you awake and, you know, we do whatever we can. Have you noticed there's a theme to our worship? What is the theme? Yeah. And sheep. I love the way that uh, you've integrated everything today in worship. And so we have sort of the idea. Let me give you my picture of some sheep. Right here are some sheep. Um, This is an interesting setting for sheep because this is the site, the archaeological site of Laodicea in Turkey. When I was there, and it just so happened that while I was there, this uh, group of sheep came through. And uh, it reminds me of a story. This young seminarian was preaching a sermon. He was uh, assigned to a rural church, and he was preaching on this very passage of Scripture. And so he was waxing eloquently about the behavior of sheep and all the intricacies and things and the nuances and the oddities of sheep and what they do and how they act. And after the service, he was invited over to one of the local family's house for dinner. And he made the mistake at dinner of asking how his message was. (laughs) And they began to chuckle a bit. It seems that he was eating dinner at a 
sheep farmer's house. And apparently there wasn't much similarity to his description of sheep and their experience with sheep. So let me ask before my message, are there any sheep farmers with us today? Oh good, I'm safe. (laughs) All right. So um, let's talk about this particular story that Jesus presented. This is part of the I am statements that you'll find in the Gospel of John. There are seven I am statements where Jesus says, I am, I am the good shepherd, I am the gate, I am the truth, and so forth. And so this is one of those descriptions that he gives in this interesting setting, which is fitting to the place and time in which he's there. So let's uh, take a look at the characters, first of all, in the story. Let's see. First of all, we have the shepherd and the gate. Who are the shepherd and the gate? Jesus, of course, yes, he's both of those. All right, he gets most of the parts in the story. The doorkeeper? Well, can be. Sometimes people will say it's the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's just a doorkeeper. (laughs) All right, Uh, let's see. Uh, How about the thieves and robbers and the hired hand? I mean, in the time and setting, you could say it's the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but maybe in our modern setting, it could be any distraction, anything that takes us away or diverts us from our attention to the good shepherd. Well, okay, there's the shepherd, the gate, the doorkeeper, the thieves, the robbers, the hired hand. What does that leave for us? Let me give you a hint. Join me, let's all do it together. (laughs) You guys make pretty good sheep. Yes, we are the sheep. That's what we are. And before we get into our actual study of scripture, I thought maybe it might be nice if we take a look at some, well, characteristics of sheep. And, you know, since it's us and uh, we parallel this, My confusion about life is cleared up when I admit who I really am. As a sheep, first of all, I am, write this down in your outline, I know you're writing, it's good to write, I'm vulnerable, I'm vulnerable. Sheep are are vulnerable. They have to stay together. Uh, they, They are very, very vulnerable. In fact, sheep stay in what's called folds at night because uh, it's not safe for them to be out and about at night. And so they have sheepfolds. And in fact, these sheepfolds, as you probably know, are generally serving many different flocks. And they come into the sheepfold at night to be protected. So they stay in folds, but they also stay in flocks. So sheepfolds at night and flocks by day. Sheep like to be together. They find strength among each other. So, so far the parallel to us seems to be perfectly clear. All right. Number two, sheep are not only vulnerable, but as sheep, which we are, we're also easily influenced. We are easily influenced. Now you may say, I'm not easily influenced. I'm an individual. I'm not influenced. 
Well, if you're of my generation, all I ask you to do is take a look at a picture of you in the 60s. I have a picture of my wife and Leanne and I. <laughs> uh, we're both wearing bell-bottom jeans with love patches on them. <laughs> yeah. You're not easily influenced? Uh, I don't know. As sheep, we are easily influenced. No question about that. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Now, let's begin our study together. Uh, it's on your outline from the New International Version, but you're welcome to open your Bibles as well if you want to follow along in the translation that you have. And, of course, we're looking at, uh, at uh, the Gospel of John. I tell you the truth. Now, whenever Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it's because he wants to put emphasis on it. You know, it's like, hey, come on, listen, I tell you the truth. All right. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate. Who's the gate? Jesus, of course, is the gate. By the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Wow, that's a great thing, that illustration, as you begin to understand what it means. So let's take a look at it. All right. What does the shepherd do for his sheep? What does the shepherd do for his sheep? First of all, he calls us. He calls us. It's interesting because all of the sheep from the various, you know, sheep flocks, come into the fold at night. So there may be many, many different flocks in the fold at night. And then the next morning, the shepherd simply calls his sheep. And in fact, uh, it's a, sometimes a kind of noise that the shepherd makes. And the sheep understand and hear and listen for that voice. And they come out and the flocks separate out according to the shepherd, because they have learned to tune in to the voice of the shepherd. Amazing thing. So he calls us. We are attuned to his voice, and his voice is clear to us. His voice is clear to us. What do you have to do in order to really distinguish a voice? You've got to listen. You've got to listen. Have you ever been in a crowded situation and you get separated from somebody? Um, can you determine or distinguish their voice among the crowd? Sometimes you can. But if you know the voice, if you know the voice, you can distinguish it amazingly even in a clamoring crowd because you have tuned into the voice and you've listened 
to the voice. You know, one of the things that we've lost the art of is listening. Many of us demand that every second be filled with something. You know, noise of some kind. I mean, we either have things in our ears, we've got the radio going, we've got the television going, we've got something going all the time. We have lost the art of silence. Have you ever tried to just be still and silent? It's kind of weird, isn't it? (laughs) A little bit awkward, silence. But what does silence do? Yes, exactly. Sometimes we can't listen or hear God because there's so much noise, so much distraction, so many things that we are occupying our lives with. We have not stopped. Be still, the Bible says. And what? Be still. You have to be still. Have you ever tried to just lay still? It's not easy to just lay still, you know? Uh, Especially if you're a type A or driver personality, you know, you're constantly moving and it's just hard to stop. Be still. Listen uh, for God's voice. Maybe you're saying, well, I don't understand what God's trying to say to me. Well, maybe you haven't stopped and listened. You know, maybe he's been trying, but, you know, he just can't stop you long enough for you to really listen. So he calls us and his voice is clear. And this is a sheepfold, by the way right here that they bring in at night for all the various flocks. All right. So number two, then he leads us. He leads us. What's nice about being led? (laughs) You don't have to think, yeah. (laughs) You're being led, so you could just follow. It's kind of nice. Sheep like to follow. Who encounters danger first? The shepherd does, because he leads us. Aren't you glad that we're not cattle? (laughs) We're not driven? We're led. And so he leads us. And uh, because he leads us, his direction is clear when we choose to follow. But what is our human instinct? Our human instinct is to get ahead of the shepherd, you know, to, to... well, he's not leading us fast enough. Um, I'm not getting a sense of his direction fast enough, so I'm just going to barge ahead and go ahead of the shepherd and not stay back and let him simply guide us and lead us. His direction is clear when he leads us, and he encounters danger before we do so that he can help us to get through it. Okay, number three. Number three. Number three, (laughs) the equipment that the shepherd carries with him. He's got a script, which is a bag that he has his various things in. Uh, He also has a sling. The sling is kind of an interesting thing. You know, he can use this sling to protect the sheep. But sometimes, you know what he does with the sling, as I understand it? And since there are no sheep farmers among us, you can't dispute this. My understanding is sometimes he takes the sling, and if a sheep is a little wayward sort of separated out from the flock a little bit, he will just take a rock and and just hit right in front of that sheep to to bring it back in to the flock, you know? 
You ever felt like you were a little bit distracted and something sort of diverts you back to where you need to be? Yeah, sometimes the shepherd has to do that. And so he does that with his sling. Then there's the staff and the rod. The staff is an interesting thing because the staff is used, of course, to guide the sheep. And also, as I understand it, when the sheep come into the fold at night, why, the shepherd will slow the sheep down just a little bit so that he can check each one as they come in to the fold. You know, just to examine them. How do they look? Are they okay? Did they get scraped or injured during the day? Is there any wounds I need to dress? Anything I need to do? And to make sure, of course, all the sheep are there as he counts them as they come into the fold at night. And then there's the rod. And, of course, the rod is a long thing with a big knob at the end that he uses to protect the sheep uh, from the various things, the wolves, the other things that may attack the sheep. He uses this rod to to protect them. Uh, You know, there's a misnomer. There's a horrible saying. It's spare the rod and spoil the child. Have you ever heard that? That's a terrible misuse of that illusion there. The shepherd never beats the sheep. The shepherd uses the rod to protect the sheep. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. This is one of those uh, parables or sayings of Jesus that is self-interpreted. Jesus helps us understand it with his own words. And the Greek word there in verse 6 is not the usual word for parable. It's sometimes translated figure of speech or even proverb has the idea of saying filled with a compressed thought, you know, kind of like a compressed file on your computer. There's more to it than you may at first see. And so it sort of self-explodes within us as we take a look at it and as we study. Verse 7. Therefore Jesus said again, here he goes, he's going to help us understand a little bit about it. I tell you the truth, there's that phrase again, listen up, I tell you the truth, all right, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. What a great promise that is. What a powerful statement that is uh, that Jesus makes. So let's see what we can learn from this particular statement. As I know you're looking at your outlines carefully and I'm hoping that this control works at some particular point. Ah, there we go. The three things happen when you enter through Jesus. Three things happen when you enter through Jesus. Here's the first one. Salvation. You are saved through Christ wow that's a powerful thing number two write this down security notice it says you will come in and go out there is a sense of assurance that comes when we understand that Christ is here to provide for us a full life a full life you know Christ has given us a guideline a manual by which to live because he wants us to have a full and complete life. 
I remember when I was associate pastor at Sligo Church back in Tacoma Park, Maryland, our senior pastor James Londis wrote a book on the Ten Commandments. And he titled the book, interestingly enough, God's Finger Wrote Freedom. God's Finger Wrote Freedom. You know, we have this misnomer, this under, uh, misunderstanding that somehow rules and regulations are confining when they're actually freeing. They are really the things that bring fullness to our life. I mean, you know, when you think about living and life, uh, things like you shouldn't steal, you should be honest, you should honor your parents. Uh, those things are terrible, aren't they? They just don't make any sense, do they? Well, of course they do. They are the things that bring fullness to the way in which we live. That's the desire that Jesus had for each one of us. Security, so that we can come and go when we want to. And number three, number three, satisfaction. You will find pasture. The grass is greener. Yes, you will find pasture. Satisfaction. You know, one of the great interesting dynamics of life is that we all have this sense of seeking approval in some way or another. You know? We want to feel that people find us to be good people and we, we desire approval. But the interesting thing about that is, is there any human being in this room that can be consistent with another person in a relationship? Can you be consistently loving? Can you be consistently caring? Can you consistently provide somebody with the approval they need? You certainly can try, but there are not always going to be times when you're going to be able to provide that for somebody else. If you seek your approval from human beings, I'm afraid you're going to be subject to the fickleness of humanity because people can't provide that for you. The only way that you can find ultimate, consistent love is the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. He is the one that provides the foundation of approval that you need in your life so that you can maneuver through life with that foundation. Then no matter what happens, you have that foundation as the basis of the way in which you live. That's why Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. Because you know that your value is intrinsic. It has nothing to do with your net worth. It has everything to do with the worth that Christ holds for each one of you. Because you are equal in the sight of God. We all are. And so you will find security and you'll find salvation and you'll find ultimate satisfaction. And those blessings grow out of one decision. Enter. Enter in. Become a part of the flock. Enter in. And you will find satisfaction. I love this quote from Ellen White, Desire of Ages, page 480. It is not the fear of punishment or the hope of everlasting reward that leads the disciples of Christ to follow him. They behold the Savior's matchless love revealed throughout his pilgrimage on earth from the manger of Bethlehem to Calvary's cross. And the sight of him attracts, it softens and subdues the soul. Love awakens in the heart of the beholders. They hear his voice and they follow him. 
The greatest motive power there is on earth is love. It is not fear. People use fear to try to manipulate, but love is the greatest motive power. You look at your own relationships. You do crazy things, don't you, when you love somebody? <laughs> you know? My two daughters, one is 30-something and the other is 20-something, and the younger one is currently in college at UC Davis, and uh, she called us the other day. Her bank account was low. <laughs> she needed help. What do we do? You know, the things you do for love, you know. I asked somebody, you know, when does parental responsibility end? You know, when it, their response, when you're dead. <laughs> so, there you go. Love, you know, love is really the powerful motive that compels us to do these things. And it is out of love, our love for Christ, Christ's love for us, that we are motivated to be a part of his flock and to find him as our, our shepherd. Any other method, any other means just doesn't work. I mean, you can try willpower. You can try to do it yourself, but it just doesn't work. You can grit your teeth and say, I'm just going to do it, but it just doesn't work if you don't have that foundation of love. Verse 11. Here's this I am statement, part of the seven I am statements of the Gospel of John. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. A couple of things that we learn here from Jesus' words. First of all, we learn what does the shepherd do for the sheep? He calls us. He calls us. And of course we, you know, listen and understand his voice. His voice is clear. He leads us, as we've talked about. And of course when he leads us, his direction is clear. And the final one of the three is, of course, he lays down his life for the sheep. And by the way, uh, my understanding of the way that works is in the sheepfold, because oftentimes when they're out in some rural location, the sheepfold is very, very um, rudely crafted, and there often isn't a gate. And so the shepherd literally is the gate. The shepherd lays down there at the entrance of the sheepfold, both to protect the sheep as well as to be right there at the entrance. So he lays down his life for the sheep, which means that he, that his love is clear. Do you get that? His love is clear. Let me see if I can go back. Okay. All right. So ask yourself this question. Who or what am I going to allow to influence my life? Will I fall prey to the thieves? The thieves which are people who try to use you. Anybody you know tries to use you? Hmm. Will you fall prey to the hired hands? Will you trust them in your life? People who try to, who don't care about you, you know? 
Or the question is, will I follow the shepherd? Will I listen for his voice? Will I be quiet and listen carefully for the shepherd's voice? That really is the question, isn't it? You want to enjoy green pastures? Yes, we do, don't we? All right. In order to join green, enjoy green pastures, you've got to listen to the shepherd. You've got to follow the shepherd. And you've got to trust the shepherd. Trust the shepherd. You know what I'd like for you to do this afternoon, when you have some time, is just be silent. Just take some time and be still. And listen for the voice of the shepherd. Listen for the voice. What is he saying to you? Because I'm confident that that voice will come because he knows us, he loves us, and that's how he leads us. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much. What a wonderful, wonderful illustration this is. Yes, we are sheep, easily influenced, easily distracted, and yet, Lord, if we'll just be quiet and listen for your voice, we will learn to distinguish it from all the chatter and all the distraction and all the clamor, and we'll hear it and we'll follow it. And you'll go before us and you'll help us through the difficulty and the struggles because you'll encounter them first. And rather than looking at Christ through our circumstances, we will look at our circumstances through Christ. And it will make all the difference in the world. Because, Lord, I know you've come that we might have life to the fullest. Help us, Lord, to take time today, quiet time. Be still and know that you are the Good Shepherd. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the Good Shepherd lead us guide us, and protect us until we meet again. Amen.